0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Saints Radio. I am very thankful to the Lord for this privilege every week. And, of course, part of that thankfulness is knowing that so many of you are faithful participants in this every week. I know that God uses it for a purpose and I am so grateful to him and to you for making this a part of my week every week. Normally it is part of uh, Monica Terrell's week. She had an appointment today that she could not ignore and so you're stuck with just me today. I pray that um, the Lord will give something notable <laughs> to say, as opposed to all those other times when I talk. <clears throat> There's a lot of activity this week. Most of you are aware that, um, at least in my household, in the household of Pastor Larry and Vicky Sparrow, this is a wedding week. And it's our privilege to be able to see uh, their son and my daughter be joined together before the Lord. And we speak blessing over that. And we look forward to um, what God is going to do, not only during this, this week, but in their life together serving the Lord. So thank you all for your for your prayers and for your your kind thoughts before the Lord. Your blessing. We are so grateful. We we ask that God would cover the entirety of this uh, this week of many different activities. We ask for protection for travel for everybody that is coming here to Dallas for this. August uh, gathering and may God protect may he keep everyone safe and healthy and may I'm already confident that the weather is just going to be wonderful even though <clears throat> this is going to be in a uh, in an enclosed facility but there is a very lovely outdoor area that can be accessed but One way or another, the Lord is going to give us great weather, and uh, we're grateful. So, once again, on behalf of the Sparrows and the Crawfords, uh, God bless you all for your kindness as we see God uh, unveil the next chapter in the lives of our kids. It's hard to call them kids. Uh, this, this wine has been fermenting for a long time. And um, so, anyway, enough of that. I keep talking. I'll say something that I shouldn't say. You know me. I'll just say, well, I, why did I say it that way? So we're done with that. Um, once this week is over, it'll just then be a couple of weeks before the uh, Brazilian ministry in in Sao Paulo. And we are every day working on different facets of putting this thing together, just the logistics and the structure of the thing. I know that today uh, uh, a number of uh, tech people were meeting together online, viewing the theater that God has uh, provided for us to rent. And... um, thanks to P- Pastor Felipe for putting that meeting together and from a report that came from brother brother Scott uh, a lot of their questions were answered and um, some of the concerns we had were addressed and uh, so that is there thanks to Yawali who's been working to provide for some measures of transportation. And, you know, there are so many people at hand here. I don't want to, I won't mention everybody. And then, you know, the way things go in churches. So um, as of now, we have uh, over 30 people from the, uh, the Saints Network outside of Brazil that are going to be traveling to be a part of this, this uh, ministry. And that's uh, that's a significant number, wouldn't you say? Um, we're so expectant concerning what God is going to do. And, um, you know, we're having, we're engaged, as, as just about all of you know, in, in seven weeks of prayer. Uh, this week, we're agreeing for the... Uh, for the Spirit of Truth, the Comforter, to release a, a heightened measure of anointing for this hour for us, and that it would be upon those that are gathered together to hear the Word in person, but also what we're able to record and produce for distribution. And, um, you know, the first the first week was asking God for his presence. The second week, last week, was uh, focusing on uh, people who God was specially earmarking to become leaders in that, uh, in that walk that needs to be in place there in Brazil and throughout South America for spiritual hunger and thirst among the leaders, the pastors— and upon the, the intercessors. And this week, Spirit of Truth. Now, don't get too bound up in this. I'm saying this. We have not structured it yet. But a number of Saints Network folks are going to be traveling here this week for the wedding. And that means that most of them will be still here on Sunday. We hope. To put some kind of a prayer meeting together for that Sunday for not only our church here but for the, the Saints Network um, folks who've traveled in from many different places and we'll be gathering specifically to pray for uh, this great um, ministry that we're agreeing for in Brazil Next week, now this week is Spirit of Truth, next week will be uh, a focus on taking this mountain, give me this mountain. We'll be talking about Hebron and what um, what it represented for the the promised land. And, um, you know, I'm not teaching on this now. We've had teachings on this in the past, number of them. But you do remember that Hebron was the place where kings were first anointed. It was a place that the enemy had inhabited with what uh, the people said were giants. And Caleb received the anointing, uh, another spirit to uh, believe God, even at 80 years old, for turning that spiritual base into a place of righteousness instead of relegating it to the enemy. We talked about, and we'll revisit this probably on Sunday, the, 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 the topic of the bluish wound, because that, uh, that term in Scripture is utilized to define describe Hebron. Hebron could also be used to speak about witchcraft and, and curses in its word. And it really is a, um, a convening of a lot of influences to see whether health or evil will manifest. And, and, you know, those of you who've been to Brazil recognize that in so many ways, God has preserved South America. Um, the Western world, more The more civilized Western world um, has, in so many ways, whitewashed the spirit realm. And a lot of the things that were evident throughout history have now been covered up. I'm not saying they've been eliminated, but they've been covered up. Not so in South America. You know, the people there still hang on, many of them, to their ancient heritages whether it's back through several civilizations and the demonic worship uh, that is prevalent there is still honored and um, the high places are still very much functional but noted and so it's not that we're going to go on a an eviction campaign but we are going into a land where the things we speak about spiritually aren't so odd. You know, you talk about the spirit realm here and 90% of the church looks at you like you've lost your mind or that you're off on some kind of a wacko pathway. You talk about it down there and they recognize that what you're saying is true. They may not agree with you they may already be partaking of doctrines of demons, and gener- the generational line, the third and the fourth generation, extends back to 20 and 30 generations, and I'm not exaggerating that. And those uh, those forces uh, are encamped. But God has preserved this time frame for great breakthroughs in I think that the the concept of Hebrew next week is more than, as powerful as it is, more than simply a, a, a biblical study. It is an operations manual for us. And so, next week, not this week, next week we will probably invite people to a joint measure of fasting. Some of you are already fasting, I've heard you say it. And I bless you in that. But at times, God says, I want all the people to be in agreement with fasting. And, um, and I have a feeling that next week, being the fourth week, which would align with the prophecy, supply, healing, where we're supposed to be dying to the flesh, um, we'll probably incorporate a fasting measure. But we'll be announcing this later on, on the weekend but as i said there's a lot of things happening and that that doesn't even begin to talk about the the myriad number of ways that the spirit is teaching us right now you know i felt i felt bad about it but then again i don't ever feel bad about bringing the the meat of the word uh i was saying talking with somebody about this that the way God has us function as a saint's network is kind of backwards. Normally, if you were going to be talking about deeper things in the Spirit, you would do that in a closed venue or a podcast that had individuals who were part of the core group, and you'd talk about it there. And then when you were out in, in from the pulpit, open up to everybody, you'd give some kind of a, you know, a, a par- parable, like thing, you know, where you just say something flowery, make people feel good about themselves. The challenge is for us is that we need this, we need this meat now. We need the way we're structured as saints. The people out in the in the various places around the world need to be in agreement right now, and as God's bringing it. We're releasing it because more is coming the next day. So I felt kind of bad because we brought basically three things this past Sunday. We talked about truth and sonship, and then we talked about Jesus' pattern of uh, warfare against the demonic throughout the book of Mark. And I just charted down a few things in this outline, which is available from the Sunday Thing, you can pull it up for yourself the Sunday it's on our archive and you know we talked about the mark and progression uh, I didn't add I started in Mark 4 but I could have added um, you know the first time that an unclean spirit came against Jesus was when he was speaking the word now I spoke this but I didn't put it on the the chart uh, in so many ways we are <laughs> We're being prepared for 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 as the army of the Lord for warfare. You know, when we first taught about unclean spirits many years ago, we gave the biblical definitions. But in the Old Testament, remember it says God specifically earmarked when the unclean spirit is driven out of the land, then this will be done. So we find that unclean spirits are the are the main Um, deterrent forces that the scripture speaks about always seeming to be in place when significant developments happen for the church when the significant outpourings or teachings are brought next thing you know is there is a blocking influence which is basically what unclean means in the New Testament and Jesus dealt with these. And that, that was a significant teaching, and it's going to be developed further. But then we went into the the idea where I equated the operations of a an unclean spirit with the deaf and dumb spirit, and brought that into play with the Old Testament word Ba'ar, which has been perverted into what in King James, it translates usually as brutish. And it's, it's so interesting. And I love reading this passage in Mark 9, when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and there was this little boy who, was, uh, who had a dumb spirit. And he, uh, he also, the Bible identifies as an unclean spirit. And the progression of these words that really talk about this this creature is manifesting the characteristics of an unclean spirit. And, and you can line them up with the Old Testament and the initial points of rebellion from when the foundation of the world occurred straight out of the scripture. And it's fascinating to see this. And... Um, so, um, I, I think, and I know, and, and then you add to this the, all the teachings that God is giving about the river of God and the trees, the tree of life, and um, and, and also about something that I've mentioned a few times but haven't really taught about, the link between uh, mountains the high places, and the mounds or the hills, and then the groves. Those three things are are a structure of stronghold identity. And this is listed so many places in the Old Testament. We ought to map that all out too. But I always feel like that's kind of there, but it's kind of Okay, just put this here. We'll touch on it in a little while because we've got to get these other things straight before we go out doing specific things. But the Word, the the knowledge of the Word is power. The knowledge of the Word is power. And having this and knowing that God is showing us this is an incredible gift from Him. So, I've, and as I said, I felt kind of badly to be putting this big chunk of meat out in front of my congregation here in the Saints Network on Sunday. But then again, I mean, you have to give it while you while you get it, and because the next day more things are coming, you can't say, "Okay, well, here's three big sirloins." So we'll eat this one this week, and we'll make a series of it. In two weeks, we'll, we'll deal with this, and then three weeks later, we'll deal with this. Well, that's great strategy. But when you know the Spirit of Truth is going to guide you into another dynamic point of revelation that the people need right now, and it's going to happen in two days... Uh, you've you've got to deal with what you get and put it out there, and the Modocos people need to be quick to hear, and um, just be ready. Um, so it's a good thing. It's almost like having too much food. Sometimes I I can remember going into locations in different parts of the world. Particularly, I, I remember. I'll just mention this one out of many. One that springs to mind is we went to Pastor Alan and Colette's home um, a few years ago. And Colette cooked for us. And out, uh, first of all, you had the aperitifs. You had uh, the, the opening uh, appetizers. And that went on for 45 minutes. And then you came to the table and you had one round of food. And she would had so much that if you finished your plate she'd put more on there. And then another round of food. And then another round of food. And then there was dessert. And then, you know, it it just it was just so what a feast. And he said, "Well, that sounds like gluttony." No, that's just the kindness of these folks. No food was wasted. I'm sure it was all eaten later. Maybe they sent some to the starving children in China, just so you make everybody. Are there any of those left? I'm sure there are. There's a lot of them. That's the thing about China. You you can see Shanghai, you can see Beijing, you can even see Hunan. Maybe Dr. Fauci's over there right now. Um, but you don't see the outer cities i I think I told you many years ago when uh Debbie and I went on an airline uh conference, which was a great blessing. We went into Beijing it was hosted by the Chinese government, if you can believe it and one of the things we did was we left Beijing and went on a tour to the great to a portion of the great wall and It was very interesting once you left the outskirts of beijing you came into a lot of little hamlets a lot of little like huts and you could see in, in beijing the people were all dressed in western clothing many of them were dressed in um really fashionable outfits and but when as soon as you left the town Everybody you saw out in the area were dressed like the old pictures of the revolution with Mao Zedong. those little one-piece or two-piece outfits, and um, it was shocking. The line of demarcation between the opulence of the of the city, and then you went out not very far, and you were you were really in a in a more uh, a less affluent area, to say the least. So I'm sure that there's a lot of um, starving kids, but we didn't send any of the food there. But God's table is full, and he keeps bringing what we need, and we, we have to be quick to receive it. So, and I think the reason, you think about the topics that God just in this past six months has been highlighting. Now, there have been lots of other words. If you brought a word and it was a powerhouse word, bless you. There's here a little, there a little that are just dynamic. But the ongoing flow of revelation has been from the heavens, the river of God, The facets of that that we've studied, the trees of life, the other things we've been studying about the trees. Um, It's funny because we were at a rehearsal Saturday for some songs that are going to be done at the wedding and there was some musicians that are going to be playing so uh, I'm part of one of those gladly I'm going to be a, a hearer for most of it but one of the women that was there is a dear friend of my daughters she's part of another church and she had just come from a some kind of a gathering where they were talking about the tree of life and just listening to her it was just an excitement about the tree of life there wasn't any teaching you know there wasn't there certainly wasn't the what what god's been shown the the avenue that they've been talking about was more of a you know, let's get excited, you know to you know the tree of life you know the way that is in christendom um I remember when we first were teaching about voice thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, and we went into montelima and um some of the French pastors were talking about how a lot of the teachers were talking about the thunder of the Lord and the seven thunders. And so they were, they were talking about it. It was almost like a hunger, but they weren't really teaching anything about it. And it's funny how that is. So some of the churches now, according to what I heard from this girl, are talking about the tree of life, but they're not teaching about it. They're just excited about it. So I think that it's notable that God is giving, not saying we're better than anybody, but for our role in the body as pneumaticus people, God is giving us delineated teachings about what that is. I'm not saying we know everything. By a far stretch, we don't. But what he's showing us is really astounding. And um, so you have the river, the tree of life, and now you've got this this emphasis recently about, um, you know, what we talked about on Sunday. And, you know, warfare. And the thing that led us into warfare was the idea of the trees and what they represent in the Old Testament and how they're part of the groves and, um, and the, the study of what kind of trees were in those groves, what kind of trees you God says he wants in the wilderness, as opposed to what kind of trees he wants in the desert. And, um, you know, you, aren't you glad I didn't teach on that? Everybody would have been asleep, as opposed to only half the congregation. Um, it's, um, it's really fascinating what God... What God has in His Word, but that's what led us into warfare. Because, um, in, in in the study, that that's just those are things the saints need to know. Because, okay, let's say you go, we're going down there, and God's promised this continent, which He has, and there are going to be people from all over the place at this gathering. And um, they're dealing with all kinds of spiritual influences when they go back into their terrain. Um, I'm telling you, it is an eye-opener of the types of free reign the demonic realm has in being honored in in some of the cultures that are part of South America. And we need to know these things in the Word it may not be big shakes up here for first whatever church, but down there, the enemy knows we don't have a, a clue as to what. Is. That's what Satan always does, hath God said, or it is written. And if you don't know what's really written, he'll run loops around you. Thankfully, Jesus knew, and Jesus answered Scripture with Scripture. He had an understanding in fact, that's the that's the f- first instance that we related on Sunday when an unclean spirit showed itself was when Jesus was speaking the word, but with power, and the enemy knew, "Uh oh, our cover is blown." And so we need to know these things. There's 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 an authority and a power, and not just quoting the word, even though that's powerful. There's an authority. Um, because the enemy knows the word. Religious people know the word. Some religious people know the word just enough to to try to discredit it. But to speak the word with power is what threatens the enemy. And God's not sending us down there to have a Billy Graham crusade, as wonderful as those were. I still have my button from when in 1968 I sang in the Billy Graham Choir at one of his crusades at Pitt Stadium on the campus of the University of Pittsburgh. I sang alto in the choir. Can you imagine that? Of course, I had to grow my hair long so I didn't stand out. Just joking. Just joking. Um, but I'm grateful for what the Lord is showing And I'm grateful that over the course of the next few weeks, he's going to be showing us more and more. And by the time we get maybe a week out from traveling, um, we're going to be um, sending out some kind of an invitation for those who are remaining in the camps, uh, how we can coordinate with you so that. You can be in prayer points of agreement that you can have. And uh, we need that. You need that. So it's an exciting time. And we look forward to what God is going to to do through this. So, I didn't even chit-chat much today. You'd think with a wedding this week I could have filled this place with chit and with chat. Maybe a little more chit than chat. I don't know. Um I th- I think that I think that um we really would like for you to to be s- very sensitive as you pray concerning what the spirit would highlight for you. And yes, we're in agreement with the group. Yes, we're we're in agreement with our pockets of intercessory friends. But I'll I'll tell you right now as opposed to later that um God is doing a lot of personal measure of communication with us individually. And this morning and yesterday morning, early in the morning, as I woke, I'm just in very deep intercession. Not not being scared or fighting this or fighting that. It's its more of a, a supplication on hyperdrive, very, very deep from the depth of who I am. In fact, this morning, it kind of surprised me. Uh, I felt like, you know, the spirit within was larger than me, which that is the spirit of God and of course he is larger but it was almost like the voice of my spirit was like twice the size of my body and I, I could tell that when I awakened and I was still praying that it was as if I, I was almost as large as the room and then you know I kept praying and then I, I recognized that I was still you know I came back to, to normalcy or whatever that is for me. And what I'm saying is, I think the enemy will try to corrupt your prayer in any way that he can. One of the things that he'll try to do is say, Why aren't we all praying together? Some of you are. Great, do it. But the point is that we do have, here at least, you do what you want to do. Here we have corporate prayer, but we don't we don't police it. We probably should, in some ways. This is where the middle group of the mighty men would be really helpful, where there is accountability, and where iron sharpens iron. And you get a hold of somebody and say, "Hey, man, I've been missing you in prayer." Or, hey, girl, where have you been? You expect the leader to do that? That's not the way God's placement is. I'm not chasing anybody. If if you start chasing, then you're not leading. You you're chasing, then somebody else is leading, and that person's not following the Lord if you have to chase them. So, but but I'm finding that the greatest, the deepest points of deliberation are happening. Just that spirit within that God took many, many months teaching us about is is on overdrive or maybe not on overdrive is is uh, moving in in greater measures of power and that's a wonderful thing that really is a wonderful thing so utilize that now again you you do what we've been trained to do you you get insights you write them down you get insight you dare I say, journal them. Um, And don't do it so that you can send it to Monica or somebody else and expect them to do something with it. You do something with it. You know, it used to happen in churches. Somebody in the general church, I can remember this back in the day, where some old sister so-and-so or She'd get a burden about something, something that needed to be done, and instead of doing it herself, she would bring it to me, dump it on me, and expect me to do it. That ain't happening here. God knows exactly who he's talking to. Then there are other times, you know, even today, there are people who, who have a, they say they have a burden for a certain point of ministry, and then I know that some of them get angry with me because I'm not touting that. Well, physician, heal thyself. (laughs) You, 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 it'd be like the hand learning some, some trick and, and expecting the foot and the ear to do the same thing and getting mad slapping the ear and slapping at whatever other part of you is not doing what your little trick is or your little uh, measure of vitality. Or. You've got the hand's got this thing, you be confident in it, because the ear's not continually praising the hand, you get mad, and then you close your hand and hold it to your side. Well, if you don't like my hand, if you're gonna pay more attention to the nose, well then I'm just gonna hold myself over here. That's such babyish belief. I'm glad Levi hasn't learned that kind of thing. He just doesn't seem to care. He he operates in his own he operates on his own wavelength. Very focused, and I, I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, lots going on, but the point is, I'm very grateful to be a part, a part of this with you. And I, I want you to recognize the vitality of who you are in the Lord. And and see, that's that's another facet. We said this many years ago, and that is that a lot of pastors don't like for their people to be taught prophetic concepts or for anybody in the congregation to be given the go-ahead to receive words from God, because I know what it's like in most churches you get some person that starts getting things and then they're a frustrated preacher or they're a frustrated message in tongues giver or thus saith the Lord giver and it's it, it, in most pastors ideal it's best to keep that tamp down so you don't have to battle with that. You don't have to battle with jealousies or coercive people and then And then, of course, those people who aren't trained or who aren't put in the proper positions, they get bitter, and then bitter root judgments are flying. And, you know, uh, they they get envious. And then they become either turned for the enemy or they become an in-house operative, launching all kinds of things that the enemy uses as strife, which welcomes dimensions of evil works. And that's not good. But I understand how some pastors, I don't agree with it, but I understand the concept. We've dealt with it here. Some of the people that we, through the power of the Lord, were willing to teach and uh, help the people to discover certain giftings, then those people would have their giftings and then they become jealous because they didn't have the giftings the pastor had or they became jealous or angry because what they were receiving, the leadership wouldn't do when it wasn't their call to give direction, they were supposed to simply serve. And um, so I understand the challenges of this, but in that same vein, if you are receiving things from the Lord In your prayer times, talk to him about it, release it, and um, let him use you. One thing we have not received yet, and I'm so grateful, because we seem to get it every time, is somebody, somewhere, will get a warning, a word of warning. And they'll want to report that warning and really expect you as the leader to adapt whatever warning they've got. And if you don't, then they release another word that, oh, I'm just really concerned. I warned him. Now, the problem with that is that the word of warning is usually not complete. It's obscure. There's no specific to it. So, how do you how do you deal with an uncertain sound how do you deal with that and to me my view is this if god gives chapter and verse and and by that i mean specific things i mean specific things you report that and then it's the leader's opportunity to, to discern what to do with it but if you're just getting a a vague warning, do you ever think that maybe that's something for you to pray about, for you to fast about, for you to deflect? It'd be like on a football team. Now, some of you, I know, you're shutting off right now because I, I can see it from my congregation. There are a few people that if I use any illustration from, from anything in the world, and football is in the world, they shake their head, and you know that they've just shut off. But bear with me now. That would be like an offensive line, which the quarterback lines up behind, and the snap comes, and the left tackle says, Oh, turns around and says, Quarterback, I've got a warning for you. Well, what good would that do? Maybe that left tackle is supposed to be taking out the object of that warning, blocking it, keeping it from the quarterback. What good does it do? The whole play stops. The whole team stops if you just turn around and shout back to the leader, hey, I got a warning for you. What's he supposed to do with that? Nada. So, maybe God and I don't want, I, I'm not inviting this, but I know that every trip we've taken, there's always been, especially the bigger ones, somebody from with some rogue word of warning, oh, I've just got a, what, what do you know? Oh, I don't know anything about it. Well, what good is that then to me? What am I supposed to do with that? Cancel the trip? Because you've got a tremor in your your get along? Pray it through stop the thing. Maybe that's what God's showing you. And then on the other hand, what good does that do to tell the leader? If you, don't have a, uh, if you don't have a clarity, if you don't have a specific thing to report that that person can use, all you're doing is sowing fear into them. Do you realize that? God, I don't know how many of those words we got when we first went into Africa. You'd have thought we were going to be evaporated with all the words about, oh, I got a bad feeling about this. Why are you going there? Oh, don't go there. I heard this was happening or that was happening. France, Belgium, India. Oh, my God. It's, it's a wonder we just didn't, I just didn't sit here in my office drinking coffee because all the intercessors had words, words of warning. So I better just stay there. And of course, if I'd done that, they'd have had me all drinking tea within a week and then down to water and then only distilled water or then with maybe a little sprinkle of some mineral juice. You know what I'm saying? So let God use you. Stand in the gap. If there's a specific thing, I mean a specific thing. Not a vague thing that somebody else has to interpret. You pray it through. You pray it through. Does that make sense? Boy, I've got, now here comes the, the meddling. I'm really letting, in, let, letting you have it now, aren't I? I appreciate prayer, but what I'm saying is God is using you. And sometimes people don't know what to do with the things that they receive. And then when they, dare I say, in their innocence, mishandle it, then they get mad at somebody else because they're not handling it. Well, honestly, there's, did you ever consider there may be a reason why God showed this to you and not to me? If he wanted me to handle it, he'd have done just as well telling me, kept you totally out of it. That would have spared your feelings, as tender as they are. See if we just think through things every now and then, as Christians. The funny thing is, is that I've never, I've never felt that way, and I, I, I was not always in a position of leadership. You know, I was in the church for a long time, and then I served um, here as an associate pastor. Yeah, I didn't agree with many of the things that happened. But I didn't go around telling people that. And I certainly didn't withdraw my hand of support. Um, There were times, like there was one time, I'll just tell you this. There was one time when we were uh, embroiled in a battle with the neighborhood. And I was an associate pastor. And the pastor at that time, who's dead, he's not going to care I'm telling this. So don't any of you tighten up because I'm saying this. Uh, The pastor at the time was contemplating a point of action that I knew from talking to the neighborhood council would have just infuriated them. It would have had no bearing of positivity at all. So I spoke up, to him in, in kindness and in, in submission in my position. And I said, Pastor, uh, I appreciate your, your thought process here, but can I offer something that I sensed during the last meeting with the neighborhood council where I represented you? You weren't there that was another thing that I wondered why why aren't you there but I didn't say that I went and dutifully did my job I said if we do this we're gonna go against two of the resolutions that they made this is a fight that we don't need to be in we need to keep our eyes focused on what we're wanting to achieve this is just gonna be poking them in the eye and creating another point of obstacle another battle we don't need to do that and I said but that's your decision, I would just ask that you consult our attorney who was also at the meeting before you, before you do this thing. Ask him about what I'm telling you happened at that meeting and let him advise you. Thankfully, he did that. And thankfully, he didn't do what would have totally man, we would have been in big trouble. As it was, we were in big trouble. You know, when, when I became pastor, then a year and a half later, three of our parking lots were frozen by the city. And in other words, we weren't able to use them. And that was with prejudice. And the first two years um, of my pastorate was spent with a lot of time, a lot of money, from legal representative and city fees to open up the lots. And, you know, I'm not faulting him, but uh, I I didn't agree with a lot of the things that he did, but I didn't do anything about it other than to advise him when I thought I should in a way that was respectful. But then I couldn't do anything about it until I actually became the pastor and tried to mend fences and rebuild bridges, which happened. The point, though, is that he was right. We're surrounded by progressive ideologies. We called them liberals in that day, leftists. And they they didn't like us being here, and I'm sure that a lot of them still don't. I didn't like that either some of the rhetoric that they would speak in these meetings where i was was just ridiculous and i I would get up and joke from the podium after they would say things like that and i said here i am i'm a representative of this church and i just want to tell you that what you just said is not only ludicrous in my opinion but it is so far removed from anything we're doing and and it you know and then the bulk of the people that were just neighbors could see who was out there and who was really just speaking normalcy so the point is that god gives you words stay in your position don't expect the leadership or anybody else to be bound by what you're doing. But if you feel so burdened about something that God shows, there's undoubtedly a reason he's showing it to you. And it's not to dump it over on the pastor or the leader. It's for you to handle it spiritually. Because if God, God doesn't need you to be the intermediary to tell him or her what to do. Does that make sense? Boy, we've really, that's a curveball, isn't it? You know, we deal with that down in Brazil. One of the challenges they have is that there are so many people who are so tuned into the Spirit, and from their generational uh, upbringings, they're used to prophesying. Oh, yes. They're used to giving words, and not from a Christian perspective. You know, the false prophet that Scripture speaks about is a very real entity, that The girl with the spirit of divination really was Peg and Paul. I mean, if, I know if, if that girl lived today and was following some of the saints I know, oh, these guys are servants of the Most High God. Listen to what they're saying. They're speaking the words of life. Some of the saints I know would be signing them up and getting, can I quote you on that? <laughs> 'Cause we not like we don't like anything better than having our belly scratched and told what a good prophet we are. Um so but the problem is is that these folks um will come into a church and they'll start we used to call it parking lot prophecies, but they'll start with back row prophecies and they'll start doing these things even in the midst of the service. And the pastor really hasn't had training about the operative role of the prophet, and so you've got you've got real time what's God saying? Why is he saying it to you? How do you handle this? What should you do with it? What shouldn't you do with it? you've got real-time uh, situations of that right now, but with people who, some of them, are just innocent. Others have been trained by shamans for generations. And now here they are in the church. Why are they in the church? That happened in the history of Western civilization. Missionaries come in. You got demonic, demonically trained people who come in and they'll start, what is Santeria? What are other hybrid types of religion? And the enemy applies the principle of Balaam. Intermarry with them. And so, you know, if, if we're going to be able to minister truth down there in that capacity, then we've got to be it. So if God's showing you things, make sure that you judge it, because you've got to judge prophecy. Make sure it's not the spirit of suspicion or accusation. Um, or or the spirit of fear. Make sure that's not there. Um, you pray it through. But if there are specifics, and I mean specifics, not oh I got a bad feeling about this trip, that does nobody any good. That that and all that does is sow fear, especially for the leader who has a responsibility for people. Well, gosh, I wonder, I wonder what that could be. I love this person. I don't want our people getting hurt. See, that's an uncertain sound. Who'll know how to march to that? So know that the spirit intends to use you as an intercessor, but be wise with it. Don't ignore the word, but you pray it through. And um I know that I know that we're just in this point in time where God is releasing the best wine for the end of the age. And we are, uh, the enemy is going to be recognizing that his time is short. Uh, he's going to be recognizing that the places that he once held are being taken away by Christians, by saints who are standing their ground in the gap through the power of the cross, through the power of the word. And we're not playing around. This is, this is etern- These are eternal factors. But the most important thing of all, remember what we said about the spirit realm, relationship with God and authority. And basically what that is, is you spend time with the Lord and God will give you assignments and he'll highlight what you are called to be and to do. And that's your authority. Um, it's not somebody else's authority. It's not if I pray real hard, God will put me over everybody else. That's not what happens. She's probably one of the most phenomenal prayer warriors in the Word of God was that little woman, and I'm sure she was little. I don't think she was six foot three and 220. Um, that little woman named Anna who was daily in the temple offering prayers, offering supplication, praying for the coming of the Messiah. Who did she have authority over? You think she was showing up to the high priest every day? I've got a word for you. You better listen to me. If you don't listen to me, it's going to be big time trouble. It's going to begin right here in River City. No. She welcomed in the Lord Jesus. That is honor enough. That is beyond honor. So, let's serve the Lord with gladness. And But let's all do our part. And we'll try our very best to communicate things with you. Let me just go back over them as we're ending this broadcast. Uh, we'll have some type of a prayer time here on Sunday. Probably first thing in the morning. Don't write that down. Just know that's probably going to happen. And we'll be praying about Brazil. It'll be a different service because we're going to have a a wonderful portion of network family here. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, But then next week, just keep your ears open and your eyes open because uh, it's going to be a week where we're going to have some measure of an invitation to fast, and we're going to be truly um, believing God, give me this mountain. Um, The following week, and you can look at this prayer agreement for Brazil. It's, It's in the archives. You can find it. The following week, we're going to be talking about the continent of South America, <clears throat> and we're going to be talking about the power of the cross, and for God to give us uh, wisdom. So it's it's good. It's, it's a wonderful thing. God is so good to give us these opportunities, and I so much appreciate the sacrifices of all of you to be willing to to give of yourselves, your finances, your time, and of so many other um, things in this life in order to serve the Lord. May he reward you for that. God bless you all. Thanks again for being with me as I flew the plane solo today. We bless Monica wherever she is, but we also bless you. And um, we'll look forward to being again together soon. Goodbye. God bless you.